Welcome to this week's message. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Chris Dirksen, the executive pastor here at Southland Church. For more information about this message and other resources, visit myselfland.com. Started a new series last week, The God I Wish You Knew. And we talked about God as our deliverer. And you know, so many people have misconceptions about God. And yes, we know in our head, He's loving. Uh, he's good, he's big, he's strong. We know these things in our heads, but in our hearts, so often we labor under these misconceptions. We know in our heads, God is good. In our hearts, we live in fear, we live in anxiety, we live in worry, we live in all kinds of issues because our picture of God in here does not match up with what we know of him up here. If we had a proper revelation of God, we would never fear anything. If we had a proper revelation of God, if God came down here, if Jesus himself came down here on this stage, we would not struggle with fear anymore. We would not struggle with worry. We would struggle with none of that because in his presence there are not, that those things don't exist. That's how amazing he is. In fact, if we had a proper revelation of God in our hearts, we would fall in love with him. We would, our hearts would be ablaze. All these issues we have with loving Jesus, where we feel bad about apathy, and we feel bad about worldliness, and we feel bad about chasing after things, not Jesus. And all of those things, the instant you, you, we see Jesus as he really is, all those things will be gone. That's how amazing he is. And so one of the biggest problems we have as Christians, it's our picture, it's our understanding, it's our encounter, it's our experience of God. Because our experience, if our experience of God and a revelation of God is too small, we can't face the obstacles like I talked about a little bit about last week, is when you hit obstacles this big and your revelation of God is this big, then there's stress, okay? And, and of course, as we talked about last week, God takes us through those stresses to increase our revelation of Him. But that's our biggest problem, I think, as Christians, or at least one of our biggest problems, is that our experience of God, a revelation of God, is not big enough. If, if we truly knew Him as He is, we would be absolutely blown away in love with Him and we would not fear uh, anything. And, uh, and that's awesome. We can take great comfort from the fact that he never changes. How could he change? How could he change? The one who made the universe, he's billions and billions and billions and trillions of years old on into eternity. He doesn't change. And we can take great comfort from that fact. Our problem is that we judge who God is by our feelings from day to day. Isn't that true? So we know he's love. We have an experience with him in worship. And then the next day, uh, we feel different about him. And so in our minds, we think he's not loving us anymore. And we have an experience at an encounter or a set-free retreat or, or something or at a prayer summit of God's power. And then the next day, our feelings don't feel that same feeling anymore. And so our minds tell us he's not powerful. But the truth is that God doesn't change. He's far beyond our feelings. We're constantly judging God by our feelings. God doesn't change. He's absolutely, totally, completely consistent all the time. He's like a mountain. Uh, uh, we don't have those around here, but for those of you who have ever gone somewhere where they have mountains, right? If you lived close to a mountain, you don't wake up every morning and wonder to yourself, oh, I wonder if the mountain's still there today. You don't check frantically throughout the day. Oh, shoot, I wonder if the mountain's still there. Go look out your window and check it out again. You don't worry about that because a mountain is a mountain. It's there forever for all intents and purposes. The same is true with God. If he said he, if he gave you a promise last week, if he gave you a promise yesterday, if he gave you a promise two months ago, two years ago, whatever, and he said he was going to do something or he said he loved you, he's a mountain. He doesn't move. doesn't change. 
So we can trust in him. And what we need is an upgrade. We need to move away more and more by God's grace. We need to move away from judging God by our feelings in the moment to standing in a new revelation of who he is and the fact that he doesn't change. So last week we talked about he's our deliverer, that he loves to rescue us from things. That is always true and will always be true. He loves to rescue us from stuff. Today I want to talk about the fact that God is faithful. That's a character trait I want to talk about today. The God I wish you knew, God is faithful. Okay, this series is just trying to tackle in a little teensy way our problem of not knowing who God is. Of course, again, me teaching you in your heads isn't going to do it, but hopefully speaking about these truths and then by the Holy Spirit's power as we go through life, he takes these truths into our hearts and we can begin to feel and trust in him that he is faithful. Well, let us pray and we'll get into this. Thank you, God, that you are faithful. I love that trait of yours. I want to walk in it more. I want to trust you more. We want to grow in trust for you. We want to grow in our revelation of who you are. And I thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do here this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So Moses is talking to the Israelites here about God, and he says, the Lord your God is God. But he's not just God, and then he now introduces God with a, with a description. He says he's the faithful God. This is part of who God is. He's the faithful God. Now what does the word faithful mean? Okay, the word there, translated faithful, means reliable, trustworthy, steady in allegiance and affection, constant and unchanging, true to one's word. Okay? Now, of course, we, we use the word faithful. We talk to other human beings. We know human beings. If we say a, another person is faithful, we mean that that person is someone you can count on. Okay? And so, obviously, this has something to do with the fact that we can count on God. We can rely on Him. But, of course... Our problem is, again, we take traits and we apply them to human beings. We apply them to God. There's a big gap there because even the most faithful person that you or I could know is on certain days not faithful, right? There's, I mean, human beings can be faithful. You can know people that are reliable and trustworthy and have integrity in their character. But when we talk about God as being faithful, it's a whole, it's a whole nother level, okay? It's a different thing entirely. Like I was talking about the mountain before, a person who is faithful as a general rule can still have days where they let you down, can still have weeks where they let you down, can still have bad days, good days, but God doesn't have bad days, good days. He's every day, all the time, every moment, the same. He's faithful, hugely powerful. Now, in order to explore this whole topic of God's faithfulness, because really when this truth starts to get into your heart, when you begin to realize that God is faithful, it, 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 it will begin to change your ups and downs. It will begin to change your ups and downs because we go through ups and downs exactly because of this. We go through ups and downs constantly looking at God through the lens of what I feel in this moment. And we have to understand that God is far beyond the lens of what we're looking at Him. He's always the same. So I just want to explore a few things. How do we talk about his faithfulness for an entire message? I want to look at some specific examples of things he's faithful in. And hopefully it will bring this whole thing alive. First of all, he's faithful to sustain us. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1, 4-9. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus who will sustain you to the end Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You'll know there's tons of passages in Scripture. He'll sustain us to the end. And we know that because He's faithful. By, so God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, 
our Lord. So if you've given your life to Jesus and have any desire to follow him, even if that desire is sometimes clouded or oftentimes clouded by sin and weakness and all the rest, and we all do struggle. See, this is the thing. God's faithfulness isn't, isn't, isn't founded on our, on our faithfulness because that would be a shaky foundation. It's the other way around. Our, our faithfulness and faithlessness and messing up is founded on the foundation of he's faithful. So if you've given your life to Christ, regardless of the fact that you struggle sometimes and you feel like you've let him down and you feel weak and all those sorts of things, if in your heart you have some desire to follow him and you've given your life to him, then this is a promise for you. He says he will sustain you to the end. He will sustain you to the end. This is part of him being faithful is he will never take you into something and drop you in the middle. He'll never take you into something and then be like, okay, we're in a storm. I just got bored. I've got some things to take care of, and now you're alone. You might feel alone. You might feel like you can't get to the end of it. You might feel like he's not there all the time. That's what your feelings. You're going to look through those lenses at times when you're in the struggles, but God says, no, 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 I'm faithful. Regardless of the lens you're looking at me through, regardless of your ups and downs and fallings, I will sustain you to the end. To the end. No dropping in the middle, no leaving you, you know, three-quarters of the way through or partway through. He takes you into something. He takes you to the end of it. And so in the middle of the stuff that we go through, I know this is an amazing promise. Some of you have got, I mean, I can't even, lots of people here sitting this morning, you've got huge issues. You've got, some of you have got marriage issues that have been going on for years. Some of you have got financial issues. Some of you have got uh, crazy psychotic people in your life issues, and I'm being dead serious with that one. Um, some of you have got mental issues, you've got depression issues, you've got fear issues, you've got all kinds of things, and you sit there and you come to church and you sit in these issues, and, and the thing is, if, if, if a struggle lasts a day, we can all make it through a day. If it lasts a week, most of us can make it through a week or a month. But the problem is those, those ones that are ongoing, right? They just, they're still there. And now doubt starts to come in. Am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? God is faithful. His word says, because he's faithful, we can trust that he will always sustain us to the end. He will be with it to the end. So sometimes we can learn to say, we just need to say to ourselves, I'm going to make it. That's what this problem means. That, or that's what this promise means. I'm going to make it. That's what it means. Whatever you're in the middle of right now, God is faithful. Because he's faithful, you might not feel like you're going to make it, but you can say to yourself in Christ day after day, I am going to make it. I'm going to survive. I'm going to survive because God is going to sustain me to the end. And that's why we need to pray that God would increase our capacity to trust him. Father, increase our ability to trust you. Increase our ability because, again, we're so, we're just swamped. We're just up and down, up and down, looking at God through a lens of our feelings. And we need to ask the Lord, help me to trust you more. Increase my capacity to trust you. That you are faithful, that you will take me to the end. You will sustain me to the end, regardless of there's times. You know, I've, I've talked to people, I've had some people come out of the woodwork in the last month. And uh, I'm, I think it's a God thing. But people just come into the woodwork and telling me uh, stories of stuff it recently People here in our church who are up at night and they, they, because they're in such stress, various things, and they don't know how they're going to make it and they don't know how they're going to get to the end. And it's right in those moments when you need to realize you might feel like you're not going to make it to the end, but you will make it to the end because he will sustain you. It's powerful. Secondly, not only is he faithful to sustain us, 
He is faithful to shield and protect us. He's faithful to shield and protect us. 1 Corinthians 10, I love this passage. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. I, I just have to stop right there because that, right there, before we get to the, oh, you put up the rest of the verse. It's supposed to be a surprise. Oh, no, you're still in the old verse. Okay, good. Thanks, Egan. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Okay, we're going to look at the rest about him shielding and protecting. But it, just that line right there, doesn't that feel good? Doesn't it just feel good? I mean, misery loves company. But let's be honest, none of us wants to suffer alone. That right there already is an extremely encouraging sentence. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now, okay? Even before we get to the fact of God's faithfulness, it doesn't matter what you're going through right now. See, pain, it always makes us feel isolated. That's what pain does. So when you're feeling depressed, when you're feeling scared, when you're feeling overwhelmed, you always feel, the, the reason the, the feelings are so bad, part of the reason they're so bad, is because you feel like it's only you. You feel like nobody else has it this bad, nobody else has had this, I'm done, I'm finished, I can't make it. But here in this first line here, Paul says, no temptation, by the way, the Greek word there, temptation, it is certainly, it is certainly about sinful tempta temptation, but it also includes testing. It's not just temptation, it's temptation and testing. So no temptation or testing has overtaken you that is not common to man. There is nothing right now. You might be dealing with thoughts and, and, and temptations and testing. You think you're the only one. You might have thoughts coming to your mind that are so vile, and you just think, I am the only one that has these, and I feel so dirty, and I feel this, and I feel that, and God must hate me. And the thing you have to realize is the fact that that thought is in your head means that you're not alone because there isn't a single one. There isn't a temptation or testing out there that is hitting you that also isn't hitting many other people, past and present. In fact, there's nothing you're going through right now. No, every situation is a little bit this, a little bit that's unique to you. But there isn't anything you're walking through in your life right now that there aren't other people in this church right now going through the same thing. And so you get up in the morning and you carry this burden of like, I can't do this anymore. It's horrible. And you just feel alone. You feel isolated because I'm, I'm just taking the brunt of this. I can't get out of this. And those exact thoughts and feelings are hitting how many other people just in this church, not to mention in, around our country and around our world, past and present, all over. There isn't a single thing that's hitting you right now that is not common to man. You're not alone. You're not alone. So that's one of, the, one, one of the big things to take out of that before we go to the rest of this verse is that we need to stop hiding our weaknesses. We need to admit our weaknesses. We need to reach out for help. And one of the reasons God has you going through stuff is because he wants to humble you so that you will realize that you're not strong enough on your own. Much of my life, you know, many of us, we just cover up. We cover up. If you feel happy as a general rule, we, then we say these spiritual things, oh, totally, I, you know, Without, you know, by God's grace, I am who I am, and, and by God's grace, and I totally need other people's help, but really then we just go through our lives completely self-reliant, a lot of us. And what we don't realize is actually, regardless of how good you feel about yourself right now, all it takes is a little bit of temptation and testing, and right away you realize every single one of us human beings needs others. We desperately need God, we desperately need each other. But instead, we hide because we're ashamed. I'm ashamed that I'm thinking these thoughts. I'm ashamed that I feel like giving up. 
I'm ashamed that I feel depressed. I should feel better because the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So people are going to look down on me if I don't feel joy. So we just hide these things and we try to struggle through them. And God's trying to wake us up. He's saying there's no temptation or testing out there that's not common to man. So why would you hide it? Why would you struggle with that thing and not tell people and get help and get prayer and get support? Hugely important. We need each other. God made us for community. That's what heaven's all going to be about. You know, heaven, one of the amazing things about heaven is we're not going to have to prop up these images of ourselves that we subconsciously walk around trying to prop up all the time. And we're just going to be able to be real. There's something heavenly even here on earth that we can experience when we can be real with each other and that other person then turns to me and says, I don't reject you for that. And you go, oh, I can just be me and I'm not alone. I had this huge struggle, but I'm not alone in it because they still love me. They don't reject me. Regardless of what happens to me, they won't reject me. And God doesn't reject me. And that's what community is actually all about. There's no temptation that has overtaken any of you here today that is not common to man. And other people are struggling with it, and you think you can't keep going. And on the one hand, we need to know God will sustain you. On the other hand, you need to know other people are living with it right now. You can too. You can do it. Let's keep reading. So no temptation there that's common. It's not common to man. God is faithful. So here we have God is faithful again, and he will not let you be tempted or tested there beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Okay, so God is faithful to shield and protect us. You can count on this. He will not put you through something. The fact that you're going through it the fact that you're going through it means that, first of all, God has promised to sustain you to the end. Second of all, the fact that you're going through it means God says you can take what he's given you. You're not, you're not, gonna, you're not about to fall apart because on the one hand, he's sustaining you on the inside and on the other hand, you can rest assured because he's faithful. It doesn't change based on your feelings. Because he's faithful, you can rest assured of the fact that if it's hitting you right now, He's allowing it to hit you because he's going to sustain you and he's not going to give you more than you can handle. Again, you might feel sometimes like you can't, you, you, that you can't handle it, but the fact that you're still breathing means you're still breathing. When you die and go to heaven, you can complain, you gave me too much. And he says, how do you like heaven? Oh, I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> right, but as long as you're here, you're still handling it, and he's with you, and he's going to sustain you to the end, and other people are going through it too, so you're going to be okay. God is faithful to shield and protect us. That's a promise. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3-5, to but the Lord is faithful. There it is again. He's faithful. We can just count on these things. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one, and we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. He will guard you against the evil one. This is all part of this protecting and shielding you from, from taking more than you can handle. He will protect you. It's a, he's faithful. At no point can the devil, it's not like, you know, God is going through his business in heaven and he looks away for a second and forgets about you and right then the devil just decks you with a knockout punch. Okay? God God is more persistent than the devil, first of all. He's looking at you all the time. He's faithful. There isn't a moment when he's not looking at you. Now, this does not mean that the devil will never attack you. Oh, the devil will most certainly attack you. We can find many instances in Scripture, and any of us who's been alive for any amount of time knows that he can attack us. So this is not a promise that the 
devil will never attack us. This is a promise that the Lord will always protect and shield us from more than we can handle, which means that even when the devil does attack us and throws his worst at us, it is all filtered through the hands of a sovereign God. And he only lets through to you what he, in his good plan, wants to use to build you and love you and test you and make you a better person and, you know, the whole refining gold in the fire stuff. The only thing that the devil comes to, he screens everything. The devil would love to destroy you. If the devil had access to you, he would have long ago destroyed you. But because God is faithful, he's a mountain. He never moves. You don't have to worry, is he still protecting me from the devil now? Is he still protecting me from the devil now? He's always, it doesn't matter. You go up and down. He doesn't go up and down. And he filters everything from the devil, only allowing that to come through because he's faithful, which is ultimately for your good. So I want to look at one other thing in that passage actually at the end there. That last uh, verse, verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Oh, what a prayer. I mean, for the first part, obviously, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God. Oh, that we could know more and more of the love of God. Not, not here, but in our hearts. To know the love of God. But then the second part there, and to the steadfastness of Christ. See, God is faithful, and he's protecting us. But he allows us to go through these things, and it's hard, right? And so as part of this prayer, God is faithful, so he's going to guard us, but at the same time, we can pray for the steadfastness of Christ. Now, why should we pray for that? Well, because when we're in our stuff, sometimes we just, we just need endurance sometimes. Now, where are we going to get endurance from? Well, Paul here says that we can actually pray for the steadfastness of Christ. Jesus, Jesus went through the worst of the worst. I mean, he, he, uh, I mean, he did his ministry there for three years. He did tireless ministry. When you read the Gospels, for those three years of his ministry, or three and a half or whatever it was, they did tireless ministry. I mean, crowds and crowds and crowds of people around him all the time, uh, healing, 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 touching, praying, discipling. Uh, he just, I mean, it must have been exhausting. When you read it, it's like, wow, that is, it's unbelievable how he went for those three and a half years. And then at the end of it, meanwhile, the whole time, enduring threats and hatred and rejection by the religious leaders and, and political leaders. And then it comes uh, to the end of his ministry, and instead of taking a vacation, he goes to the cross. And he lets them torture him and beat him and do horrible things to him. But even worse than all of that, and through all of this, he doesn't quit. He doesn't give in. I mean, he just takes the worst that the world has to offer him. He's a rock. He doesn't quit. And you say, well, there's some things, you know, mental and emotional he didn't experience. I mean, because he's, he's God and all that. Well, yeah, he is God. But did you know that he even went through the suffering of feeling alone and abandoned, which is the worst one? Right? At the cross, he said this, Matthew 27, 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I, I just want you to think of that line there, and no doubt you have at various times in the past, and people have preached about it, but I want you just to think about that for a moment. This is Jesus, the Son of God, in the Trinity with the Father. It's the relationship upon which all other relationships are based. I mean, this is an infinitely loving relationship. It's the closest relationship possible. It's infinite. I mean, it's beyond possible. 
I mean, it's out of this. It's the relationship between the Son and the Father, and of course the Holy Spirit too, but I'm just talking about Jesus and the Father right now. But the, the relationship between Jesus and the Father, that is the relationship out of which love comes, on which the whole universe is based on that relationship. All that they've ever known for all of eternity is this wonderful, unbelievable, infinite love and joy and intimacy with each other. Now think about that. Now think about having that in your time of deepest pain and exhaustion, having the relation, that relationship that is so amazing. We, we can't even conceive of a relationship like that. The person you love the absolute most, who's always there for you, through whom you get all this joy and sustenance and strength, is in a moment when you are in most pain and most in need, is ripped away from you and you feel abandoned. The horror of what Jesus will have taken and felt in that moment is beyond anything any of us could handle. We would go insane. That's hell. That actually is hell. I believe hell is going to be defined by loneliness. Loneliness and hopelessness. Whatever the physical things happening in hell, people who feel lonely and rejected and depressed and all those sorts of things, um, those are people who would willingly take physical pain to get rid of the emotional inside pain. It's true. And Jesus even felt that for us. He even went there. He said, I love them so much that I'm going to go to the cross. And Father, yes. Even at that moment, because I have to take the whole thing of human experience, you're going to abandon me. And I'm going to go through my darkest time by myself. None of us has felt anything like that even. And we, we, we taste. We know taste. But he took it to the full. He took the full measure of that cup and drank it, and he didn't quit. And he didn't quit. We get into our fires and our struggles, and I can't handle this, right? Well, first of all, we can hold on to God is faithful to sustain us. Second of all, we can hold on to he protects and shields us. If it's happening to me, I can handle it because he's in control of everything that happens to me. But then also while I'm going through it, I can pray for the steadfastness of Christ because there is one who has gone through everything and more that I've gone through and he didn't quit. There's no quit in him and that same Jesus lives in me today. So now I pray for the steadfastness of Christ. I, now we pray the steadfastness of Christ. Jesus, direct my heart to your love and also live your steadfastness through me. When I don't have the strength to keep going, then I ask Jesus, you keep going for me. You do it for me because he lives in us, right? His steadfastness now in place of ours when we don't have it. That's amazing. So, next one. Keep going here. Lots of faithfulness of God. Not only is he faithful to sustain us, not only is he faithful to shield and protect us, he's faithful to us even when we are faithless. I love this. I've read this passage before. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but 2 Timothy 2, 11 to 13, Paul says this, this saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So that part, yes. If you absolutely do not want to be in a relationship with God anymore, you just want to rebel against him, and you're done with the relationship. We're not talking about weakness here. We're not talking about a person who is who has got sins that they would love to get let go of, but they can't. And they feel horrible about it, and they feel like maybe God has rejected them, but he hasn't. We're talking here about there are people who they actually don't want to be in a relationship with God anymore. I'm done with you. They rebel against them. And God won't keep you in a relationship against your will. 
If you, if you want out, he'll let you out. Okay? But, so if we deny him, he will also deny us. So if you really want a relationship with God, that's fine. Okay? But verse 13, but if it's just faithfulness, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. That's what I was saying before. It's not God's faithfulness resting on our faithfulness, and if my faithfulness crumbles, God's no longer faithful to me. Hallelujah, it's not that. We all mess up so many times. We all are weak. We all doubt. We all have unbelief. We all sin. We all mess up. And all of that matters to God, and so we, in a relationship with God, holiness matters, and we are pursuing Him. But at the same time as we're doing that, in our weakness, so often we are just plain weak. We are not dependable. And if our faith is in ourselves, if our faith is based on, on I'm trusting in myself that I'm good enough and I've overcome my sins and I'm, I'm, if that, no, no, no. In the end, it's all about his faithfulness. That even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. That is a whole nother level of faithfulness. And I think sometimes some people get exhausted with their own faithlessness. Isn't that true? I don't know about you. Do you ever get exhausted with your own faithlessness? You ever get exhausted of just not matching up to what you wish you could be or what you wish, what you know God wants you to be? I've, I've talked to people, I, I've <laughs> talked to uh, people even recently and, uh, who are exhausted. They say, I've been on this journey for how many years, how many decades, whatever it is, I feel like I'm not changing. I feel like I can't change. And they're exhausted with their own faithlessness. And they're disillusioned with themselves. I, I can't do it. And they feel like because they can't do it, I've been on this journey for 10 years. I've been on this journey for 15 years. And I'm not perfect yet. I'm, I'm still struggling with some of these huge hang-ups. Therefore, God must have rejected me. I must be a bad person. But the thing is, the faithfulness of God, he is a mountain, he's a rock. Even if we are faithless, he's faithful. You say, yeah, but it's been years of me being weak. Do you realize how old God is? Do you actually, do you ever just stop to think about how old God is? You say, I've been struggling with these weaknesses for 20 years. You know what 20 years is in billions and forever? Like you're exhausted of your faithlessness and God's going, where has the time gone? Has it been 20 years already? Whoa. It says in the Bible a few times that a thousand years is like a day to him. You're exhausted with your faithlessness. He's not exhausted. He doesn't get exhausted. The day you gave your life to him, he saw every screw-up you'd do forever. Maybe for you, some it's worse, some it's better. For some of you, he saw a million. Whoa. He saved you anyway. Amen. Now you get to 400, screw-up number 400,613, and you're like, he's rejected me. I'm useless. I can't make it. And he's going, I knew this was coming. This isn't a surprise to me. You've got 600,000 and whatever, 787 yet to go. So you don't give up on yourself. It's not about you. It's about him. You're faithless. He's faithful. You're tired of your faithlessness. Yes, he's not tired out yet. He's a rock. He doesn't move. He's the ancient of days. 
So you can actually trust him. Now you push in and as you trust him more, the amazing thing is when you just give up on yourself in that ungodly way of I just, I'm bitter and I'm tired, I'm exhausted. You give up on yourself, but you're not giving up on yourself in the sense of trusting in him. You don't really improve, but you get to a place when you realize it's actually about him and not about you, you cease counting and trying to impress him and you actually just fall into his arms and realize he's going to catch you no matter what. And it's actually only in that place where he can really begin to do his work in us anyway. We are faithless. He remains faithful. We need to spend more time looking at his faithfulness than at our faithlessness. And that's the truth. We can confess. Yes, we need to confess. There's, it, it, in fact, it's freeing. But I, I used to view confession as I'm beating myself up. It's, confession isn't about beating yourself up. Confession is about recognizing that God sees it all anyway. So I just go to him and I just admit it to him. Wow, I suck again. Thank you that you love me. And you confess it and you bring it to him and I really wish that wasn't there. But now I'm going to turn my eyes on to you because actually it is better to look at his faithfulness than to spend all of our time looking at our faithlessness. Peter says this in 1 Peter 4.19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator. You can actually entrust your soul. See, the other thing, this is the other thing you need to know about messing up. Stephen has used some good analogies with me recently that are really good. I'm going to leave that for him, though, to do in a message of his own. But, but we, we put these expectations on ourselves. Like, the moment I read in the Bible, I should not do this. I now need to turn around and not do it. Well, and amen, there's a, there's a point to that, but Fact of the matter is, we're all raised in homes, and we grow up, and things happen to us, and our brains are formed certain ways. And now you're 30 years old, you're 25 years old, you're 40 years old, and you have a pattern of thinking that's been years in the making that's come through woundedness and things you've seen and things that have happened to you. And it's just your brain is formed. It's like a, it's like a tree, and it's bent a certain way. Now you read in the Bible that you shouldn't do this and you think, oh, I'm just supposed to now stop doing it. And then you feel bad when you don't. What you don't realize is you can't. That would be like, like me thinking, I want to dance. I've never danced in my life. <laughs> I probably should never dance in the future. And then someone says, hey, look at, and you read a line here about great, oh, I'm going to dance and just think that I can just go out and just do a perfect dance, beautiful dance. And that would be, I would, never, I would never make it. It would take me a long time to get there. I would need to work at it. I would need help. I would need coaching. You, you can't just change like that. You confess your sins to him. You go to him. You ask him to change you. You focus on him. And he changes you over time. Hugely important. And uh, I think Stefan should, and I'm encouraging him here now publicly to do a message on that whole point. It would be great. Anyway. Number four. So write that down. Um, Number four, he's faithful to grow and mature us. He's faithful to grow and mature us. And for those of us who actually want to grow closer to God, sometimes you just feel like, how do I, how do I grow, right? Have you ever been frustrated there? How do I grow? How do I love God? I think anybody who genuinely wants to follow Jesus, this question sometimes comes up, this frustration comes, how do I love him more? How do I worship him? How do I get passionate about Jesus? How, 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 how? And we, and we try to do all kinds of stuff, right? And, and often what we turn to is we turn to get more busy, right? And there's an element of good there, but we just think, okay, how do I get more passionate? How do I love God with my whole heart? How do I grow as a Christian? And so I gotta, I gotta pray more, I gotta serve more, I gotta read my Bible more, I gotta do more. 
And yes, there's elements there, certainly, absolutely, without reading your Bible regularly, like just getting the Word into you, without prayer, without serving. I mean, those are in the Bible. You just have to do them out of obedience anyway. To not do them would be a sin. It would be unchristian. Okay? And, and, and certainly you can't grow without doing those things. And yes, to a certain extent, doing those things, God will, will grow you a bit. But you know, in the end, you can't grow yourself. You, you can try and try and try. Yes, and again, let me, let me just emphasize this here. I'm not saying you don't read your Bible or pray or serve. The Bible says you do those things, so you do them. And in doing them, you do life with God, and he, he grows you to an extent. But if you think that just by, on your own, doing more and more and more and more of those things, you're going to grow, you're wrong. Because in the end, God has to grow you, and the way he's going to grow you is he's going to stretch you. I mean, how many of you know, reading the Bible, when you read the Bible and you're not in a trial, you read the Bible, and it's good, and you need it. It's food. So you, you eat it every day, and you get stuff, and you, you journal. How many of you know when you're in the middle of the trial, this thing explodes to life? Isn't that true? When you're just doing it out of discipline, you need to do it. You absolutely need to. You, you're gonna, you're gonna, your soul's going to shrivel up and die if you don't get into God's Word. It's eternal, right? So when you're not in a trial, you do it. And it's good for you, and you need it. But how many of you know the moment God lights a little match underneath you, and it hurts just a little bit, suddenly it's like, oh! and this thing's coming alive. Isn't that true? And suddenly you were doing your devotions at a discipline before, and hey, what'd you get at your devotions today? Well, you know, I got this neat little thing, and blah, blah. And then you're in the fire, and all of a sudden it's like, underlining, dating, oh God, and the verses are speaking to you, and it's coming alive. Why? That's, you can't just grow yourself just by doing, doing, doing. You actually need God to take you on a process, put you through trials, put you through stressings, put you into obstacles, and he needs to do all these things to you that you can't do to yourself, and that ultimately, if you just love him, you don't even need to pray for it because he'll just do it. You can actually trust. Sometimes I think we get too frantic. How do I grow? How do I grow? How do I grow? Be faithful in doing the things you need to do now and just wait because he will grow you. Amen. And then just wait and he will grow you. And then when you're in the gro growth process, you need to trust him again because it's a process. It's a process. Uh, one time I was just going through some stuff and I'm like, Lord, I, and I was fighting. I was, I was fighting off these thoughts and I'm trying to just fight them off, fight them off, fight them off. And I'm like, Lord, I got to get over this. I got to get over this. I got to get over this. And so anytime the thoughts come, you just, and you get anxious and you just try to fight them off and you try to, and then one day he just spoke to me and I just, I just saw it in my head. It was just, poof, it was just a little, so I'm going to put it up there for you guys too. But he said this, he said, you can't skip the process. You can't shortcut the process. You can't speed up the process. You have to go through the process. Now that is, on the one hand, yuck! And on the other hand, ha, ah, freeing, okay. I just have to go through it. When you're in the process, you, you, you can fight and claw and kick and try and get out of it and squirm while you're on the altar. And he says, actually, just let go. You actually just have to feel the pain. And you don't have to like it. You just have to go through the process. You can't skip it. 
You can't shortcut it. You can't speed it up. You just have to go through it. And so when you're in the process and you are in that process of growing and God's got you at that place in your journey, you just need to look to the end and just realize there's an end coming and I'm looking forward to it. And just daydream about the party you're going to have with God on the other side. Okay? And, but while you're in it, you, can't, you just have to go through it. You can't skip it. You can't shortcut it. You can't speed it up. You have to go through it. Number five, faithful to his promises. By the way, don't dread him growing you. He loves you. Don't dread him growing you. He loves you. He's faithful to you in every which way. He's absolutely faithful and he loves you and he's with you all the time. Number five, he's faithful to his promises as we go through life. There are just so many disappointments, hurts, ups and downs, unknowns, unexpected twists and turns. And one of the things we all really need from God is assurances and promises. As the writer of Hebrews says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Because God is faithful, his promises become like anchor points. When you don't know what to do and you're thrashing around and and you don't know how things are going to turn out and you don't know how you're going to make it, you hold on and you ask for promises and you look for promises and he will give you promises. He's faithful to give them and he's faithful to keep them. And then you just hang on. Those promises become anchor points. When you don't know what else to do and you don't know how to overcome, you just hold on to the promise. This will end. God will take care of me. And there's so many promises in Scripture. Romans 8, 28, one of my favorite. And we know that for those who love God, all things. I can just never get enough of that one. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things. Every single thing. And he's faithful. You don't have to worry today. Is that promise actually going to be true? He said it. It will always be true. All things are going to work for your good. It might not look good. It might not feel good. He will turn it for good in your life because he's faithful. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Deuteronomy 31.8, how about this promise? And there's many. You need to go to the Lord and he wants to give them to you. He is faithful. He loves you. He will give you promises to hang on to. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Do not fear or be dismayed. He will not leave you. You know, I was thinking the one time, you know, again, because we take these promises and it feels good in church. Chris preached that. We sang a song. I felt it. We go home. I don't feel it. We need to have a whole new picture of God's faithfulness. I was thinking the one day, I don't worry. I talked about a mountain before. We don't worry about gravity, for example, because we worry about the faithfulness of God. I don't worry about gravity. I know if I pick this bottle up and huck it out into you, it's going to hit someone. It's just going to fall. It's not going to float up into the air and just go on forever. It'll come down. And I know that. I don't even worry about it. I don't get up in the morning and go, I wonder if gravity is going to work today. I don't worry. It always works. Every moment. It works thousands of times. I think sometimes we even think, well, God's promise worked last month, but now it's kind of gotten old. It's got an expiry date, right? It worked last year, but now it's kind of old. Could God's promise really work every day? Could it really work millions of times? Could it work that time, that time, that time, that time, that time, that time. Could it work every moment, every second of every day? Like, he's actually with me right now today. He'll actually speak to me again today. He'll actually take care of me again today. Like, actually, it'll work every single day, not just when I'm having a spiritual high. Does gravity work? You, you never worry. Gravity doesn't get tired of working. It always works. You say, well, what does gravity have to do with God and faithfulness? Who is the one that holds together the laws of the universe? 
Who holds it together? The only reason gravity works all the time, like, do you ever worry if the sun's going to come up tomorrow? Do you worry if it's going to go down? You know it's going to go down. You know it's going to come up. It does it like clockwork. It never skips. It never misses. You say, what does it have to do with God? Who is the one that made those laws? Those laws are simply a reflection of the maker's faithfulness. Hebrews 1 says he holds the universe together by the word of his mouth. That Jesus is literally holding the universe together right now. We've preached about that in the series on sovereignty. Which means that the law of gravity only works that consistently because he is that consistent. The sun comes up and comes down every single day so consistently only because the one who holds it together is that consistent. He's every bit as consistent as gravity. If you can trust that gravity works all the time, you can trust that God's promise never runs out. He's always there for you. He's never tired of you. He never stops loving you. He never ceases to wish good on you. He is more consistent than gravity in all of those things towards you. And that may not be comforting to any of you, except for me, because I'm into science and math, but I do love gravity and I do love God. Which brings us to the last thing, which is he is also faithful as a friend. Proverbs 18.24 says, There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He's not, this is, this is so important, this last point. He's not just faithful to us from a distance. It's not like, okay, well, we can trust on him like we count on Mount Everest to always be the highest mountain. He's faithful to us in a distant sort of way. He's, all, he's, he's faithful to us from a distance. He's faithful to us from a distance to keep his promises. He's faithful to us from a distance to love us. No, no. He's faithful to us from the perspective of a friend who walks with us all the time. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This is a friend who walks with us every moment of every day. Never a second does he take off walking beside us. Never a second does he take off feeling the things we feel with us. We so often think we're hiding things from him because we're ashamed of the thoughts we think. We're afraid of the thoughts we think. We feel guilty about the thoughts we think. We, I shouldn't think that. I don't want to think that. I'm afraid of thinking that. It's me. And he's right beside us the whole way, and he goes, I know you're thinking that, and it's okay. I accept you anyway. I allow you to think those thoughts that you come to me. He's faithful to us as a friend. He's faithful to us as a friend who knows suffering. He knows anxiety and stress. See the Garden of Gethsemane where he sweat blood. He was so stressed out. He knows betrayal, Judas. He knows tiredness. He knows sadness and sorrow. He knows loneliness and abandonment, as we talked about before. Why have you forsaken me? He knows humiliation. He knows death. And as a friend, he is faithful to be a friend to us and with us at all times. Which means that we need to see the obstacles and tough things in our lives in a whole new light. If God is our friend, if, first of all, if he is the one who upholds the universe, even the laws of gravity, and he's that faithful that he keeps it all together, that means nothing that happens to us is an accident. Zippo. Nothing that happens to you is an accident. Nothing that goes through your head is an accident. All of it is underneath his sovereign hand, but then he's not just big, He's also right beside you, doing it with you. You can talk to him about anything. He understands you. He knows what pain feels like. And so if he truly is the all-powerful God of the universe and everything that happens to us is for our good, hardships become blessings in his wonderful hands. You can count on it because he is faithful. 
Hardships become blessings. Bad things become good things in his hands because he's faithful. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Southland Church. For more information or to download this and many other messages, please visit us at myselfland.com.